one of my first philosophy classes in seminary basically drew a, a very important difference, a very important distinction. And the distinction was between a problem and a mystery. A problem and a mystery. And while at first might not seem like a, a, a big thing to talk about, it actually was a, it left a pretty big mark on me. It really opened my eyes a lot to the, the profound difference between a problem and a mystery. See, a problem is something that we need to solve. A problem is an, is an issue that's come forward that we need to move aside. And once the problem is solved, you don't need to worry about it anymore. You don't have to think about it. It's not really part of, of anything that you have to, that really needs to cross your, your, your desk anymore. There are issues to be solved. Mysteries, on the other hand, are great and grand truths to be contemplated. Mysteries are things to be pondered. Mysteries are things to be thought about. Mysteries, ultimately, are not things to sweep away. We kind of get that lost a lot in today's day and age. Very often, we think of a mystery as a problem. A mystery is something that needs to be solved, but actually a mystery doesn't need to be solved. And a mystery is something to be pondered. So what does that mean? How does this look in reality? I'll give you an example. Two plus two. That's a problem. What is two plus two? Well, once you find out the answer for, the problem goes away. You don't really think about it too much anymore. It's not really anything to think about. Another thing, too, is like, you know, if you have a, you have a weekend that, where you just solve problem after problem after problem, and somebody asks, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Chances are, you're probably not going to remember. Why? Because all your problems are just kind of set aside, they're done, they're solved, and it's kind of like, ah, I don't really know what I did. Versus a mystery. A mystery, an example of a mystery, is like the Grand Canyon. You go, you see it, it's unbelievable, it strikes your heart, it strikes your mind, and it leaves an impression, usually a question, a deep question. How can something so great, how can something so grand even exist? How can something like that possibly be in God's creation? That's a mystery. A mystery is some, not something that we need to solve. It's not something that we need to get in and figure out. It's something to be admired, something to be amazed at. And it really changes a lot our perspective. You see, my friends, problems cause anguish and anxiety. If all we're doing in our lives is solving problem after problem after problem, we're just going to end up nervous. But mysteries inspire wonder. Mysteries inspire creativity. Mysteries inspire greatness. Problems, generally we avoid them. But mysteries, oh, mysteries are things we need to seek out. A beautiful view, a beautiful person, a beautiful life. Beauty usually accomplishes it and basically follows with mystery. You walk into St. Peter's Basilica in Rome for the first time, what do you see? You look around and you ask that question, how can this possibly be built? How could this possibly be made? An incredible, unbelievable mystery. A life spent solving problems is stressful, but a life spent pondering mysteries is joyful fulfilling, and everlasting. Now the reality is, is, none of us really wants to spend a life just solving problems. None of us wants to spend a life where we have to sit there and, and just constantly hammer out issue after issue after issue. We want to spend lives that are meaningful. We want to spend lives with purpose. We want to spend lives that ultimately, basically, 
create something that inspires us deep within, that lights that fire from within. And so how do we do that? Well, to our young people out there, I want to tell you right now, the best way to live a life that ponders mystery, quite frankly, is become a priest or a nun. That's the best way to do it. It's easy. You literally spend your whole life, your whole existence, pondering the incredible mystery of God. The unbelievable reality that God himself became man, walked among us, and redeemed every last one of us. That's a mystery. That's something that we can never figure out. That's a mystery of love that, quite frankly, is worth giving your life for. That's why Time Magazine recently did a survey on who had the highest job satisfaction in the world. And guess what came up? The clergy. 98% of clergy registered high job satisfaction. And they're like, nobody else has that anywhere near that metric. Why? Because they spend their lives not just solving problem after problem after problem, but ultimately pondering, living for, devoting their lives toward an incredible mystery. Versus a life set on fixing problems. Now, is there anything wrong with, with living lives facing problems? Absolutely not. Most of us here, as sailors, marines, mothers, fathers, whatever, spend most of our lives fixing problems. Even as a priest in the military, I spend a lot of my time fixing problems and dealing with problems. So the question then becomes, how do we, even though our lives generally are focused on fixing and solving problems versus pondering mysteries, how do we find joy in our lives? How do we find fulfillment in our lives, even though our lives are so often plagued with the anxieties of solving problems? And I think the answer lies in the Magi. See, today we celebrate the Feast of Epiphany, the solemnity of Epiphany, this incredible moment where we acknowledge the three wise men going to Jesus and giving him and paying him homage and honor and ultimately contemplating the mystery of of God becoming man. You see, these magi, these wise men, so to speak, are in and of themselves total mysteries. We don't know their names. We don't know their jobs. We don't even really know where they're from. We get a little bit of an idea in the Old Testament, kind of the, the, the region of Manasseh and Syria. We get a little bit of an idea. But other than that, we really have no idea who these people are. There was a medieval myth that came out, I'll, I'll acknowledge it, that named the three wise men, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. That's about what we know. And really, we don't really know that that's, that's their names, but it's a nice little myth, and it's a nice little mythology to follow. But what ultimately can they teach us? My friends, these men, these wise men, were men who sought to ponder mysteries. And ultimately, that mystery of how God became man. That mystery about how God ultimately became a little child. And so the question is, what can they teach us? What can they really show us? And they can show us three things. The first thing that these wise men were, is these wise men were really, really humble. This might not necessarily be something you see, but the reality is, these wise men dropped everything and went to go pay homage to a little baby. If they really, were really truly prideful, if they were really truly thought about only themselves, they wouldn't drop everything they had. They wouldn't stop what they were doing. 
ultimately, they would probably just stay in their occupations, in their jobs, and continue with their day-to-day lives, like many of us do very often. But these wise men didn't just think about themselves. Instead, they thought about themselves less. They thought less and less about themselves and fundamentally realized that in the scope of the universe, they were very, very small beings. And so what did they do to acknowledge their smallness? They did what every great man did back then to acknowledge his smallness. He looked at the stars. They were astronomers. Astronomy is a phenomenal subject. Unfortunately, we don't do it that much anymore, at least not not us folks because we're city dwellers and there's too much light around and we don't really see many of the stars. But astronomy really is one of the neatest, I think, pastimes you could pursue. Because what are you doing? You're sitting there and you're just admiring the jewels of the sky. You can't do anything with them. You can't cut them down and, and make them into a, a beautiful piece of you know, wooden sculpture. You can't necessarily you know, use them to, to, inter- to, to make you money. All you can really do is look and admire. Look and ponder the mystery. And so what were they doing? In the pondering of this incredible mystery, God spoke to them. Why? Because they had that humility to recognize, it's not about me. It's not about just solving problems and keeping warm and staying close to my hovel. It's about actually going out and living life and actually seeing what God made for me. And so what do they do? They go out and they look. They're humble enough to admire. I fundamentally believe humble people have way more fun than prideful people. Because humble people look for things to admire. They look for things to edify them. And so what do they do? In their humility, they foster a deep sense of the second thing that we need if we're going to live truly fruitful lives. And what is that? It's wonder. These men had a deep sense of wonder. Awe and amazement. Guys, we can't have a sense of wonder if we're the top of the world. We can't have a sense of wonder if we got it all figured out. We can't have a sense of wonder if it's all about us. Only truly humble people can look at something greater and submit to that very thing. Only truly humble people can actually have a sense of wonder. And that's what these men had. They had this deep sense of wonder. They had this deep sense of awe. They had this deep sense of majesty looking at the stars and the stars ultimately leading them to Christ. And that's what ultimately led them to the final thing. And this is really, to me, the key to being a truly wise person, to truly pondering mysteries. And that is they let this wonder lead them to generosity. Guys, it's not enough just to be humble. It's not enough just to wonder. We've got to actually do something. And that's what these wise men did. They went and they were generous. They were generous with their time, taking time out of their life to go and pay homage. They were generous with their talent, using their stargazing abilities to triangulate and find the Christ child in Bethlehem. They used, and finally, they were generous with their treasure by bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh to a little tiny baby. A true mystery and yet a true gift. These men end up going down in history as some of the wisest, most gentle but incredibly generous men one could ever possibly imagine. Why? Because instead of dedicating their lives to solving problems to make their lives more comfortable, they dedicated their lives in humility to pondering the incredible mysteries of God. May we too live our lives in such a way 
May we not focus so much on all the problems that we have and deal with on a day-to-day basis, but rather take the time, especially on this wonderful Epiphany feast day, take the time to sit back and be amazed at the incredible gift that we have in our lives. The incredible gift of the fact that we get to worship God the incredible gift of the fact that we're here in Japan. You know, who'd have thought? I'd have never thought this. But just the incredible gift of all the things that we've received in our lives. And I truly believe if we can really attain that, really ponder those mysteries, we'll have the peace that we seek. And we'll have the joy that we ultimately long for.